I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. The reason for the season. See, Santa Claus ain't got nothing on me. So if I ask you if you're ready for Christmas, what does that mean to you? So we talked about last week, answering that question, are you ready for Christmas? It has nothing to do with tinsel and lights and shopping and presents. Not P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. But it does have to do with the presence of the Christ and his spirit. And we started the sermon series last week during this season of Advent. As we anticipate from a spiritual standpoint the coming of the Christ. We started a sermon series, and I told you I called it My Christmas Playlist. Songs from the Christmas season that I think highlight our attitudes during this season. And last week we started out the sermon series, and The song that was chosen from my Christmas playlist was, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, there's always a lot going on, and seemingly since from last week to this week, even more going on that could make you look negatively on this season. But if you have the proper perspective, and if you are ready for Christmas from a spiritual standpoint, then it absolutely can be the most wonderful time of the year. This year we're gonna go back to a, I think an oldie but goodie. Probably have not heard this song in church <laughs> before, but I think you've heard it. That's probably not been a, that's probably not been a time in your life since 1960 if you were born. When you haven't heard it. Yeah. Oh, what a Christmas. Somebody's heard it. Yeah. Yeah. Charles Brown, 1960. Yeah. There's nothing negative about it. Yeah. Once again. Calm down, ain't nobody got no eggnog. 
<laughs> Nobody has an eggnog. Not the kind of eggnog y'all want anyway. Yeah. So the reason I chose that song is because the song, the other song, There's No Place Like Home for the Holidays, is probably not one that plays in our home often. But that one plays in our homes all the time. And why not? Why not speak about something that talks to us specifically? The truth of the matter is, there are a whole lot of things that come into play when it comes to celebrating this season. Culture is certainly one of them. Our culture is different than other folks' cultures. We are informed by what we've listened to and what we've experienced. But the truth of the matter is, when it comes to this time of the year, there's no doubt that if you're not already there, everybody wants to be around home for the holidays, if you know what home is. And so today, for just a little while, I want to ask this question. I mean, I want to talk about this topic. There's no place like home. There's no place, no place like home. And I want to use as a foundation a scripture that's probably not going to speak to you immediately about that. But I want to give you, a, I think, a spiritual approach to dealing with the concept of home and an eternal approach to it. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. And we know this Christmas story, uh, the events of it are spelled out in Luke chapter 1. And vivid detail the angel Gabriel was busy in that chapter visiting Mary and visiting Joseph and in verse 26 of that chapter Luke starts this now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, for the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Watch this. Verse 33 reads, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Yeah. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. There's no place like home. 
there is no place like home. So let me ask you this question. What does home mean to you? What, what, what is home to you? Some people have very vivid memories of home. Good and bad. Some people make every effort. I don't know how many of you have traveled beyond the environs of Alabama regularly, but if you've ever lived outside of the place that you were reared and had the opportunity to get back to that place for the holidays, you did what you could to get back. It was something you planned to do. You didn't want to be away from home because you have a positive view of what home is. You want to get back. And on this 105th church anniversary, there's a whole lot that goes into coming home. It's not just the house you were reared in. That's important, but that's not essential. There's a community you were reared in. That's important, but it's not essential. How do I know that? Because people come back home to 45th Street when it was in East Birmingham, or when it's in East Lake. And so physical building doesn't mean that it's not home. My children were born, had uh, the misfortune, if you will, of having to live in a number of different places early on in our marriage. We finally benchmarked over on Bush Boulevard and stayed there for about 17 years. But prior to that, we had probably lived in our short marriage in about four or five different places in different states. All of those represented home. But what is home to you? Is it the external idea of a building, a place, a room, somewhere you spend your time? I've had the nostalgic feeling of going back to Tuskegee University. I went there for a meeting a few, a few months ago. And before I could get back, I had sent my family pictures of all the places I stayed while I was at Tuskegee, from the dormitory to all the apartments I stayed in. Why? Because those places were home to me. I had unique experiences in those places. And as much as they represented home, they still weren't the penultimate home to me because that was at 1317, 18th Street Southwest. And so no matter how tough the day was, when I was a student at Tuskegee, or when I was an officer at Fort Polk, or when I was teaching at, in the Army at Fort McClellan and living in Linlock, no matter how much I said, I can't wait to get off so I can go home, that really didn't bespeak what home meant I was really talking about the time when I could come back to 1317 okay. in West End. Because when I talked about home for real, that's what it meant. When Karen talks about going home, she might be talking about 2829 Bush Boulevard or 1331 Bristol Manor. But what she really means is I need to go to Tuskegee. Because that's what home is. So the question is, what is home for you? What memories come back? To a believer, the greatest hope is that one day we will live with Christ. 
eternally. In other words, we've got a notion that we've got a home somewhere. In the psyche of us in this culture, America, we've been indoctrinated by a number of things. One of them is a movie that infused our notion of home called The Wizard of Oz. It's embedded in culture. And we know people say all the time, there's no place, no place like home. Interestingly, the foundation of that movie was a dream. If you've ever watched it before, Dorothy was actually dreaming of the events that went on during The Wizard of Oz. But when she awakened, she awakened saying the same thing she was saying in the dream, there's no place like home. We know the feelings connected to home. Sweet potato pie, and banana pudding, and sitting in the den watching TV, and family members talking about the same thing they talked about the last time they got together, <laughs> telling the same story over and over again. Y'all know it. All y'all brothers and sisters get together and tell the same stories all over again. Somehow the tales get larger and larger. <laughs> Yeah, Andre and Patricia back there talking about the same thing this year they talked about last year. <laughs> but somehow it gets better. That's home. My mother-in-law is fond of saying in this land that's so distant from her birthplace, she was born in Jamaica. And she says to her children all the time, in her, uh, she says she doesn't have a Patois accent, but in her Jamaican accent, be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. It doesn't matter whether it's a mansion or a molehill. It's your home. And we all know those feelings, whether it's a room or a wing in a house. It's still home. As children of God, we can take these same feelings that Dorothy experienced in The Wizard of Oz when we go about our duties and we and we know that we can apply them to our earthly home. We know that, all right? But what is it about this verse that I gave you that informs us that we can have a spirit of expectation during this time of Advent, that we ought to look beyond what we see and anticipate something so much greater? You ought to get excited during this time of the year when you anticipate, anticipate the ultimate home you're going to have with Jesus Christ. And so I want to give you a couple of points that you need to use just pulling from this, this scripture. First of all, you probably haven't even acknowledged it, but you got a longing to live there. Oh yeah, you long to live in that place, in that eternal place. Luke writes so vividly about how Gabriel came in and told Mary she was going to have this baby. And, and because Mary had this baby and because the facts unfolded just like Luke told her, you and I who believe in that baby that was born to Mary have a right to expect eternal life. Because it came true just like Gabriel said it would. Everything he said was going to happen, happened. And if you believe in that baby that was born, 
in that manger, if you believe in that same baby that grew up and went to the cross, all those facts that were prophesied came true. And because they all came true, you and I have something in us that urges us to want to be with him. There's a draw from his spirit to our spirit to be together. It doesn't have anything necessarily to do just for the holiday. In fact, it ought to pull on you every day, every single day. In fact, it's got us to the point that we can say like the songwriter said, if anybody asks you where I'm going, where I'm going soon, if anybody wants to know, you tell them for me, I'm going up yonder. I'm going up yonder to be with my Lord. And because I know that, Didi, I can take the pain, the heartaches they bring, the comfort in knowing that what? I'll soon be gone. So as God gives me grace, y'all know it, I'm going to run this race until not somebody keep telling me about him, but until I see my Savior face to face, I'm going, I'm going up yonder. We long to be there with him. Not only do we long to be up there with him, the next thing you need to know is you can be confident in getting there. If you've claimed Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you are locked into the salvation afforded by his death, then you can be confident that one day you'll be there with him. You don't have to speculate. You can say, I know I'm going up yonder. In fact, Paul said it like this. If you, if you want to stick a pen in it, 2 Corinthians 5 and 1. 2 Corinthians 5 and 1 gives you a validation that you'll be there Paul wrote this to a church that was struggling with the concept of resurrection. Yeah, when he wrote this to the church at Corinth, they were struggling. They didn't understand about eternal consequences and how it was going to work. They didn't understand how to deal with the issue of dying in this body and then having eternal life. And so he had to write to them to explain them. And he wrote these words. You hear it most of the time. We use it at home-going services. But he wrote this word. He said, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we got a building from God, a house not made by hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this, 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 this arthritis, this gout, this cancer, this problem that I have. In this, we groan. That's what he wrote. He said, we, we get toe up in this body. We groan here, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation. That's not from here, but that's from heaven. He said, if indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but in fact, we want to be further clothed, that mortality, life, can be swallowed up by life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing 
is God who has also given us the Spirit, look at this, as a guarantee. So the fact that you have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you is a guarantee that God will call that spirit home to be with him. Somebody ought to say there's no place like home. Will bring you back to live with him. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Why? For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, well pleased, rather to be absent from this body means I know I'm going to be present with the Lord. So you can be confident that you're going to be with the Lord. Not only that, until that happens, we need to know we live for the owner until we get there. We live for the owner until we get there. The resurrection of the dead and our moving into that eternal house that believers are confident they'll have was the source of confusion in Corinth. Paul declared that you're not just sitting here biding time. While you're here, you ought to be working for kingdom purposes. You ought to be telling somebody else and making sure that they too have a right to the tree of life. There are a whole lot of folk who are lost and wandering aimlessly. They don't know where home is. I had a, an opportunity this past Friday, ironically, it's amazing how God can allow our experiences to inform preaching. This Friday, the entire staff from municipal court went through a homeless simulation. Homeless simulation that we had arranged by one roof. Don't worry, it's coming to a church near you. Why? Because it's informative how folk who have nothing every day live. We pass them all the time. I told you, I call them ghosts because you don't even see them anywhere. You pass by them. Those are the folk who come up to you and say, you got 50 cents for me. But let the script get flipped and let you be the one having to experience those circumstances and figure out how to maneuver through life under those circumstances. And when you have that degree of sympathy, maybe I should say empathy with folk, it'll inform how you do ministry. It'll let you know that you got to help folk. Sometimes folk don't know how to help folk. I'll give you a snippet. There were certain things that we had to do every day. It's the same folk everybody else got the same thing everybody else had to do. We were homeless, but my narrative told me that I was a 28-year-old man who ironically had schizophrenia. Lived with my mama. Mama helped me take care of my business. This is the narrative biography I was given. But mama died. And when mama died, the place we lived in went away. 
But I still had the mission of getting some ID. And I had the mission of getting a job and feeding myself every day. And so I went to the Social Security Administration to get, I mean, to the health department to get a birth certificate. And while I was there with the lady getting the birth certificate, the office closed. And I had nowhere to live that night. I didn't have anywhere to go, so I decided I was going to sleep behind the building. I got arrested for for trespassing. I didn't do nothing. I just got arrested for sleeping behind the building. It's a problem. Being poor shouldn't be a crime. We criminalize poverty in our community. And then I had to get up the next day. And, well, you know, the upside of that was I had somewhere to sleep when I went to jail. <laughs> That's the upside of it. I even got something to eat. <laughs> That's the upside of it. But when I got out the next morning, I still had the same list of things that I had to accomplish. Life is hard. There's no place like home if you got one. And I'm telling you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, whether you have brick and mortar, whether you have wood, whether you have straw, you got a house that's eternal. And so Paul addressed these issues with these folks, and he told them about the heavenly home. You got to look further than just what you have right now. You got to look beyond the horizon that you can see and understand that I got a home not built by the hands of man. The next thing I need you to know is right now, and this is probably different, but I think you'll take it with you. Right now, we live in the already, but not yet. All right? Right now, we live in the already, but not yet. Okay? There's a tension we live in. We have great hope. And that hope comes not of ourselves, but through Jesus Christ. And that one day, we're going to fulfill the full, we're going to feel the fullness of Jesus' kingdom. But right now, today, today, Ms. Johnson, I know I'm saved. I'm already saved. I don't have to wait for another moment in life to come, I'm already saved. Whatever Christ has promised me, I've already locked myself into those guarantees. Nobody can come and tell me there's another hoop I gotta jump through in order to get the salvation. I got my salvation already. Already, I know I'm going to live with Christ Jesus. I already know. Do you know whether you're going to live with him already? And so we enjoy the alreadiness of the atonement, of the salvation, of the salvific experience that Christ brought to us from the cross. It's ours already if you are a believer. But even every day, and the, and the validation of that, the guarantee of that is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit already. He's a stamp in our lives. 
that we belong to God. But even though we've got the alreadyness of our salvation experience, we still have to deal with the not yet. The not yet is troublesome. For instance, even though I've got eternal life, I still have gout. Not yet. Even though I got to deal with eternal life, I still have trouble in this body. My body still groans. And so not yet. Because once I've come into the total eternal experience, I won't have to be worried with the trouble of this life. When I wake up on the other side, every day, as the songwriter said, will be Sunday. Of the day there'll be no end. Can I tell you something? People are always concerned about the best thing about heaven. They talk about, I want to see the streets of gold. And, uh, I want to see this angel or, or that angel. I want to see one thing when I get there. I want to see Jesus for myself. That's the number one thing for me when I get there. There is a song that we have listened to all our lives in this church and in the Baptist church. And it gives us, I think, the right perspective on dealing with this already but not yet. The songwriter wrote, Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Somebody say already. already. Yeah. All right. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Somebody say not yet. That's the song. He's already mine. And he's given me a glimpse of what's coming. I'm already an heir of salvation. I've already been purchased by God. I'm already born of his spirit. And I've been washed. Come on now. A few years ago, Karen and I were fortunate enough, and some of you may have had this experience, we booked a cruise. Yeah. We had paid the fare and were simply waiting on the day to come when we could go and travel to the location with the cruise ship and finalizing all the paperwork, we were on the computer looking to make sure we hadn't forgotten anything and we ran across a button. And the button said, take a virtual tour of the ship. And so we clicked the button while sitting at the house and were transported from our house to the ship. It was almost like we were walking around the ship while in our house. We could go in the lounges and look and see what was going on. We could go in the dining room and see what was going on. We had everything but the taste and the smell and the actual feel. And I thought about the song, Oh, What a Foretaste of what we were going to experience. That's how it is right now for us in heaven. If you live with the expectancy that there's no place like home, then this is just a virtual tour 
of what's going to come down the road. We can expect that there will be some tough points, but we already got our ticket. And so that's the question to you. I'm asking you right now. Do you have your ticket? Have you already had the conductor to stamp your ticket? Have you accepted the price that Jesus Christ paid for you to save you? Do you know if you're going to heaven? It's almost as if when he came off that cross, came out that cave, he stamped those of us who believe with a ticket that said, see you in heaven. Do you have your ticket? Are you going to heaven too? Can I tell you, there's no place like home. And home ain't home till I get there and I see the folk I love. I had a tough experience a week or so ago because one of my close friends went on ahead to glory. Been knowing him 40 years. We laughed all the time because our classmates would come up to us and ask us about a reunion. Every year we're going to have a class reunion this year. We're going to have a class reunion this year. And I came to tell y'all today that there's going to be a class reunion. The question is, have you already bought your ticket? Yeah, the class reunion's not going to be down here. Those of us who believe in Christ Jesus are going to join the class reunion up there. And, and the more I think about it like that, the better it is for me. I'm just going up there to be with all the folk I love. Will you be there? All these folk that we talked about celebrating today have simply gone on and secured that spot. Before we get there, will you be there? Do you know that Jesus Christ lived just like you did? Do you know that Jesus Christ died just like we will? Do you know that Jesus Christ was resurrected just like we will be? Oh yeah. We will be resurrected and we'll have a new body. And people got this notion that when that day comes, Reggie, we're going to be riding around on clouds and no 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 that's not how god intended it no no we're going to be raised in body the same experience that adam and eve had in that perfect garden is what you can look forward to when god makes everything like he intended it to be in the first place only question is will you be there will you be there while the choir stands to sing a song I want you to know, did I do something? I want you to know that the doors of our church are wide open. Those of you who've never formally accepted the gift of salvation, those of you who've never accepted Christ's work for you in opening, opening the doors to eternity, now's the time. You can purchase your ticket right now.